Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm your host, Melissa Harris. Government agencies often complain about how acquisition and technological transformation can be a slow bureaucratic process. But what would happen if you could wave a magic wand and make that process a lot faster and problem solving happen sooner? Well, I don't have a magic wand, but the Defense Department does have the Defense Innovation Unit, or DIU. DIU is like a middleman between industry and DOD, acting as an accelerator of commercial technology and innovation to DOD customers by working closely with industry partners. Today's conversation with one portfolio director is going to teach us a little bit about DIU's unique acquisition model and how you can adopt their methods to drive innovation across your organization. I spoke with Dr. Christian Wichurch, the Portfolio Director of Human Systems at DIU. We talked about some of his projects at DIU, how he works with industry partners to meet DOD customer needs, and what technologies are driving the future of warfighter health, especially amid COVID-19. All right, Dr. Wichurch, thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. So DIU plays a unique role in DOD. It acts as a nexus between cutting-edge technologies in the commercial sector with various agencies and mission areas in the military. And of course, DOD is a large agency with a variety of mission areas. So that being said, what areas do you focus on and what are some of the foundational problems that you help your DOD customers overcome? So there are six portfolio areas within DIU, and I'm the portfolio director for the human systems portfolio. So that's my subset of mission space to work in. And we focus on three general buckets of technologies, training, survivability, and lethality. And those are DOD terms with DOD definitions. Generally, training is easy to understand, right? It's all about getting people prepared best for the mission and the duties in front of them. Survivability is more than just living through the mission. It's being robust to their duty requirements. It's everything from hearing loss to having knees and a back that still functions after a service in the military. And then the third one is lethality, which is really everything to do with mission success, whatever that mission is. DIU has also applied some really great emerging technologies across DOD to improve mission outcomes. For instance, I once heard DIU Technical Director Jared Dunman highlight in an event a few months ago the various AI and ML projects that DIU has worked on, such as applying AI to diagnostics and medical imaging analysis. What emerging technologies have the most potential to push the future of defense health or human systems, in your opinion, and in improving warfighter readiness? Jared's correct. AI is definitely coming on strong, and the overlap with the human systems portfolio is considerable. One area that comes to mind first is adaptive training. This is illustrated in a program we're doing with the Air Force right now to update their fighter pilot training syllabus. Things like adaptive training help us accelerate the teaching process and really focus on the quality of the pilots that come out. For example, if a pilot picks up a skill really, really quick in the 
you know, on the ground simulator based training modules, they may not need to repeat it for the full one hour or whatever the traditional syllabus would require. They could, you know, get that time back, move to the next section of the training. And if there's another skill that they have trouble with, they can spend more time working on that skill. So it becomes more about proficiency rather than time spent in each learning module. So I'm a big fan of adaptive training, and I think that's going to have follow-on benefits in other parts of the military. The other one that comes to mind is persistent health. I think we're going to be moving away from the once-a-year checkup where the service member goes to the dock and does that you know, one time a year eyes on discussion with the doc about health. And as wearable technologies mature, as we put sensors in more places and use them wisely, I think we're going to be able to do a lot to help the service members while they're in uniform. And then once they leave military service, they'll have fewer aches and pains to follow. So in DIU's 2019 annual report, it named predictive health as one of its focus areas for 2020. And just piggybacking off of how you said that persistent health would be, you know, the future of some of your work. And now that 2020 has come to an end, how do you think your organization did in meeting the focus area of predictive health? And how does persistent health play into that? And also, do you think that persistent health will be a target or goal of yours for 2021? I think we're doing a pretty good job. We've had a couple of big efforts in this area for predictive and persistent health. One of those, another Air Force effort, we're working with fighter pilots to do monitoring in the cockpit. As you can imagine, there are a ton of sensors on different parts of that aircraft, electronics, the engine and its function. They're doing constant optimization of the aircraft, but there's surprisingly few sensors on the pilot. And as these aircraft become more and more capable, as you get new tools for the engineers to push farther, faster, higher, and pull more Gs, we're putting more and more demands on those pilots. And by including some sensors on the pilots in the cockpit, we can do a lot to help their performance. And it's not strictly things like, you know, the fatigue of high Gs or hypoxia or those immediate dangers. It's also stuff like neck and back injuries. If you can monitor that pilot's head and neck as they struggle to overcome the pressures of all those violent maneuvers in the aircraft, you can take action sooner rather than waiting for things to show up on an x-ray later on. So that's the sort of predictive, proactive health that I'd like to focus on as we move forward. And we're making gains today. Yeah. And that really goes back to that survivability and lethality aspect that you were talking about earlier on. And it also echoes that partnership we can have with industry. Because when you think of preventive medicine as a whole, as you think of repetitive use injuries, as you think of professional sports, there's going to be analogous problems where similar solutions are going to help both of us. Certainly. And I want to go to that industry partnership element. How do you look to apply technologies to problem areas across the military? DIU, in part, bases itself in the heart of America's tech landscape, which is Silicon Valley. 
Do you reach out to industry folks there or work with them to gain insight of what they're working on and bring them to DoD customers? Or do you work with DoD first to hear what they need and go to industry looking for answers there? It goes both ways. Frankly, it's about a 70-30 split where the 70% our primary focus is listening to the military service members, the commands, the units, the services themselves to first hear their problems, to hear their day-to-day frustrations and find those problems that we can then reach out to industry and look for solutions. But as part of that regular communications with industry, we do find those unanticipated solutions that pop up. You find those bits of novel, sometimes jaw-dropping technology where you're like, wow, has the Air Force heard of this? Or this is really interesting. I need to go share this idea with some Army folks and see if there's a there there. It is a two-way street, but our primary route is taking the problem from the military and then taking it to industry. Right. And, you know, DIU also has a very unique model in acquisition of IT solutions. And I really want to focus on that, especially because oftentimes contracting IT services and products can be really clunky, slow. It can be a haul, often leaving agencies behind the curve compared to the speed of modernization. But some agencies have overcome this by leveraging organizations like DIU or on the civilian side, offices like ATNF to quickly adopt technologies. Because of this, what are best practices that you've adopted or perhaps your colleagues have as well to transform military capacity and capability? So I can't speak too specifically to the IT cloud type solution space. We have the AI ML portfolio and we have the cyber portfolio, and I would point you to those portfolio directors. But as a general rule, DIU has a very speed and flexibility focused tool set. It's all about speed of contracting and making decisions quickly to inform our external business partners and not leave them hanging on the hook any longer than necessary. We have our CSO process to support that. That's the commercial solutions opening process. You can read all about it on the website if you want to, or you can just look at the CSO openings page to see what problems we're tackling at the moment. And the CSO really leverages the other transaction authority to the utmost. It allows companies to submit a five-page white paper You know, they don't have to burn a whole lot of calories to get eyes and interest to get that assessment from the DOD. It's a quick and easy process. If they make that white paper, that's usually followed by a quick 15 slide presentation, you know, usually in person pre-COVID that was all in person where we could have a dialogue and talk about their solution in real time. And typically we can go from posting our challenge all the way to negotiation and signing a contract in something like 60 to 90 days. So we're built for ease, speed, and simplicity, trying to work with industry using their timelines and their vocabulary. 
Would you say that CSO process or that commercial solutions opening process would be the easiest way for, you know, any kind of industry or prospective industry partner to get involved with DIU who hasn't already? I would hope so. You know, and they're always welcome to reach out to us directly. We take a number of cold calls. We do a lot of due diligence and just vetting of technologies all the time. And we have our commercial engagement team. That's our team who's primarily focused on keeping tabs on the industries that most interest us. But the CSO is, I would hope, a much expedited and much simplified process when you compare it to the traditional DOD processes of, say, five years ago. Right. I want to pivot a little bit to an area that has really force the country to innovate a lot in, and that is COVID-19, which has been a huge challenge for us this past year. And the military has had a significant role in the national response. That response has been pushed at speed and has required technology to help accelerate it. Has DIU played a role in the COVID-19 response? Or at the very least, how can the innovation model that DIU has established helped DOD meet the required speed of response to the pandemic? DIU has been working on the COVID challenge. We have two programs that are CARES funded that are in the COVID fight. And even before we kicked those off, we were part of the discussions in the Pentagon with HHS, with the different task forces lending our insights into industry, lending our Rolodex to the fight. The two efforts that we have going, one is really easy to highlight. It's called Clean Sweep. In this case, it was the Navy who came to us with a challenge. When all the recommendations were going out that said social distancing was the answer or part of the answer, the Navy was a little frustrated. As you can imagine, if you and a couple hundred friends are on a ship there's only so much free space. So finding your six feet and maintaining six feet all the time when you're on a submarine or a Navy vessel is quite a challenge. So the Navy came to us looking for support in answering that problem. And we kicked off a program called Clean Sweep. So prior to Clean Sweep, the Navy was addressing some of the social distancing with cleaning surface cleaning. And this is literally a sailor in a bucket cleaning every surface on a ship upwards of five or six times a day. And the person hours that go into that are quite taxing. So we put out a CSO, said we're looking for help to address this. How do we deal with persistent routine cleaning of surfaces, irregular surfaces, in a shipboard environment so that we don't have humans doing it constantly. And there are some defense unique challenges here. There's the compartments in Navy vessels. You, you know, you got to be able to navigate through those if you're going to do some sort of autonomous solution. And what came back was a whole suite of technologies that pitched against this. We chose three. We had three contracts out. The first one was in something like 60 days, but they were all let within 93 or four days. It went pretty quick. And I think here in about two weeks, we'll be starting some testing on Navy vessels with EPA presence there to do the blessings 
and within another six weeks or I guess mid-March, we should have technology that's blessed by the operators and the regulatory folks and onto Navy ships. And we're getting more and more interest already from other federal customers. Because if you think of the Navy as the most difficult environment, a very, very demanding environment, some of these technologies are going to be useful in other environments as well. Yeah, of course. You mentioned that there was a second area. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure, we can. It's a project called RATE. This is all about monitoring folks for the absolute earliest signs and symptoms that they're becoming unwell. So think of the check engine light on your car. It monitors really simple stuff, you know, temperature, pressure, fluid level, voltage across some terminals. Even my very first car decades ago had a check engine light. And, you know, the goal there is not to provide a diagnostic, but just to let you know that things have gone outside of their normal parameters, go to the mechanic and to give you that warning before you're broken down on the side of the road. And that's what we're doing with the rate program. We're employing a suite of wearables, a watch and a ring to monitor individuals and give real-time cue when they're starting to show those early signs that they're becoming unwell. We've done a couple of press releases on that so far, and the technology just keeps getting better. I think this is going to be a big win here in the next few months. I encourage you to keep an eye out for more news releases on that. Certainly. And speaking about that reliance on technology, COVID-19 has certainly made it so that we're very reliant on remote environments and IT. And given this heavy reliance on technology, how have your priorities changed as the pandemic unfolded? Do you think that connected medical devices, telehealth or other capabilities have been more critical or, you know, more greatly pursued in recent months or even throughout this past year? Absolutely. We've had regular communications with the telehealth people within the military. There's Tatrick up at Fort Detrick and other offices. We've assisted with some due diligence and sharing ideas, putting them in contact with different vendors and tech developers. And we've largely played a support role there. We don't have any big efforts in our own portfolio where we've not taken a leadership in those efforts, rather supporting others. Well, luckily, the pandemic is, um, you know, we're getting through it and we have DIU to help us through all of the medical challenges. And I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you for joining me on HealthCast today and good luck with all of your future work. You're welcome. It's my pleasure and uh, stay safe out there. You too. Bye-bye. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris, Adam Patterson, and Faith Bryan. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.